Welcome to Business Unveiled Podcast. This is the place where we help overwhelmed, time-starved entrepreneurs like you make the profitable shifts to get more done and get more out of life. I'm your host, Angela Prophet, award-winning eight-figure entrepreneur and CEO. And in every episode of Business Unveiled, I'm bringing you conversations that will give you the expertise and strategies that will scale your team and business so you can get shit done. That's GSD in our world. So get your time back and grow a business that helps you be present in your life. Let's do this, y'all. Okay, five to ten. So I grew up in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Southern. Yes. Um, and we went to church. We went to Presbyterian Church. And um, I had a very happy childhood. My dad um, is a touring musician, so a lot of time with my mom um, growing up. And my dad, too. But he was gone a lot on tour. And my mom worked. She worked for a Christian record label. And, um, and they're not... Like, in true colors, my mom is very orange and my dad is very blue. So, so I think that that and other life experience have made me be very structured. Um, because I, like... You kind of had to! I wanted structure growing up. Like, my mom never had to tell me to clean my room. Like, Get it's, a just, job. it's just the things that I wanted. Yes. And so, when I turned nine, or I was nine, um, and my sister was... 11, she got diagnosed with childhood cancer um, called rhabdomyosarcoma, which is a muscular cancer, and it's just in pediatric patients. Um, and so for about, I want to say it was like 10 months, um, we, that was our life. We lived at Vanderbilt Children's Hospital, um, always very thankful to them and their staff and all their wonderful nurses and doctors. Um, but we basically lived there. I also, because my dad was touring and, um, you know, when your child's sick, you still have to work. Yeah. And so my dad was touring, my mom was still working, but, um, my dad would be gone. My mom would be working and I was just kind of everywhere. We had lots of family friends and church friends that just took me in and kind of passed me around and I lived here and there and, um, I was nine years old and you know when you're nine you're starting to establish responsibilities and everything and people don't have to tell you what to do and I kind of like took it upon myself to become very responsible and establish responsibilities for myself. It's extremely responsible and this is one of the main reasons. Yeah. I love her because she's responsible. I am not. <laughs> so when I when I was 10, so I turned 10 in January of 2004 and my sister, um, you know, we thought that by June, July, we thought that she was pretty much cancer-free. She had gone through several rounds of chemo, several rounds of radiation, and we were expecting her to wrap up her rounds of chemo and be done and be cancer-free. And go home. And go home. And, um, you know, life didn't work that way. And I had um, other plans. Yeah. So, and this is a lot of why you are where you are, and you are so mature, and you are so, it shapes who you are, and that's why it's so important. Yeah. So after about a month in ICU, um, my sister was put on a ventilator, and another month later, um, she was taken off, and she um, went home to God. Yeah. And, um, yeah. It was 
it's a lot to take in as a 10 year old kid. Yeah. It's still a lot to take in at 28. Um, her birthday just passed and she would have been 30. And my sister and I were very close growing up. She was like my whole world. I wanted to do everything like her. Like I walked very early. Like I walked at like eight or nine months because I wanted like I wanted to get up and go. Like I wanted <laughs> with her. I wanted to do what she was doing. <laughs> so like she was just like the best role model. She was such a sweet soul and like it, I it was it was really hard. But I definitely know that I experienced a personality and like mind shift change after, the, after yeah. that. Like I became very kind of just introverted, whereas I wasn't before. I was like your typical second child, like jumping off stuff, not caring. My mom, when I went to kindergarten, my mom thought I was going to punch the teachers. Like I was very much like you. Yes, and she was shocked when, the, when I came home. And they're like, "Oh, she's so sweet." And she's like, "You're talking about my child?" Like what? But I was very stubborn and very hard-headed, and like it was my way or the highway when I was a little kid. But like my just my world totally shifted, and I became such a different person from that experience. And I realized young that like bad things can happen, mm -hmm. and you just have to get through them. You can either. I will say one of the most beautiful things that my dad ever said to me, and I'll never forget, is um, after the funeral and everything, we were going to have dinner with our family, and I really hadn't had a quiet moment with my parents by myself, like, in that whole process, and, and um, I, like, snapped at my cousin or something, and he was like, you know what, we're going to go, and we're going to, like, we left the restaurant, everybody else went and sat down, and we came back, and um, we went to my sister's gravesite, and my dad, um, you know, there's lots of flowers and stuff, and he told me, what flower do you want? You can take whatever flower you want. So I took a flower and stood there and I held it and he looked at me and he said, there's going to be a lot of things in life that you're gonna think aren't fair. And he said, that's your perspective. But the one life, one thing in life, and you have to work through everything else that you can say is not fair, is that your sister's no longer here. Everything else, you're gonna work through it. Yep. And it's all gonna work out. You can't sit on your butt and say that things aren't fair and not deal with them. And this makes me just cry. <laughs> and I've carried that all through my life. Like, I remember that moment, my dad saying that. And that is like, That's you know, so <laughs> I know so many people and, you know, mental health is such an important thing. This is going to be controversial, but I think a lot of times it's used as an excuse because people don't want to make change for themselves and yeah. they don't want to make their lives better for themselves. They don't want to deal with it. And I have never, because of those words that he said to me, I have never used my sister not being here as an excuse. Mm -hmm. Like I easily could have, but yep, I have don't. always. You never talk about it. I've always pushed myself to be better because that's what she would have wanted for me. Mm -hmm. So that's my little five to 10 story. <laughs> but it makes you so mature because you've experienced like hard shit. Yeah. And I have very wise parents. Well, and it was very special that he said that to me. You don't grow when life is it's simple so easy. and easy. Yeah. Like, and and it all comes at the worst time. Like, you know, when it rains, it pours. Like, that's what people say. Yeah. And that can be your perspective, but parents are smart. They are. they are. Listen to your parents. They know what they're talking about. But I will say, for those of you who don't, because I was a very stubborn person too, um, sometimes you have to experience the pain yourself before you're actually going to go back and be like, oh, now I understand what they were talking yeah, about. Yeah, a lot of times you can't learn by someone saying this could happen or this happened to me, so yeah. don't let it happen. So 
sometimes you have to experience yourself. And we even see that with clients. Like, yep. we can share our stories all day long, but until they really experience and it and it. they feel the pain, it the, a change isn't going to be made. Yeah. it's And when people are like, what do you do? <laughs> it's like, at the end of the day, we take care of people. Yeah. Um, we do. We take care of people that are experiencing really exciting things in their life, whether it be a wedding, a bar mitzvah, an anniversary, um, an executive retreat for their team for growth, um, if it is an adoption, anything that is celebrating. And then also like with the marketing and stuff that comes into that, it's like people are celebrating their business and opening and celebrating their business because their business provides a service that helps other people solve a problem. Yeah. And so that's like very personal to us as well. So at the end of the day, it's like, you know, we just, we take care of people. Yeah. Uh, so Angela, years five to 10. So years five to 10, first we're gonna get off this fucking float because I'm gonna vomit. <laughs> yeah, so okay, five to 10. So this is about the time I went to kindergarten and um, my kindergarten teacher was Miss Graham, and I came home on day one, and I was like, Mama, Mama, my teacher is a hundred years old. And this is a child. Is like, that real? No, it wasn't real, but she was like in her 70s. She was very experienced. She was a very experienced kindergarten teacher, and then she soon retired. But anyway, um, she, the why it's significant right now is like she wrote these sweet letters, and like she wrote my mom letters about like me and my personality and like things so that I do. Sweet. And to think that she took the time and probably did that for all the kids. On like notebook that's paper. so dedicated as a teacher, that's beautiful. A full sheet of paper, like notebook paper. It wasn't just like four or five lines. It was like a full freaking thing. Yeah. And do you remember my mom, remember the day I was in an airplane up in there going somewhere and a basketball player's plane crashed mm -hmm. and my mom couldn't get a hold of me. It was a short flight so I didn't have Wi-Fi and she was freaking out and so she went and pulled out all these things from this trunk. And one of them was a letter and a bell from Miss Graham. And, and then she like gave them to you and you did like a little story. On yeah, them. she's like, do you want to do content on this? My mother's like so well conditioned now. It's so sweet. Um, but everything that letter said, except one thing, was 100% accurate of how I am and who I am today. <laughs> so the reason I say this is like pay attention because really when your kids get around five, even when I couldn't walk yet like I would make a line of things they knew I was OCD I was like a strong-willed child which is like three percent of the world at the time my parents would go to therapy they never thought they'd have any more kids apparently I was just a fucking nightmare so but much like you said earlier you just want things to be your way yeah. and it's like a strong-willed thing like when I had friends come over I would get so frustrated when they would like mess up my room yeah I don't think a lot of kids are like I that. would get upset. Like, don't touch that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Like, I would tell my parents I don't want them to come over anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was like, OCD neat freak. Um, but anyway, I got into other things between 5 and 10, so that's when I started to twirl the baton. I started... Can you show us? Actually, we, you did that in Virginia. <laughs> yeah. I thought I was going to get smacked in the head. A table pole. Yeah, I was yeah, maybe twirling not the it. safest baton. But. And I was just recently at the Taj Mahal, and it was raining, and I had this really nice umbrella, and I told my tour guide, I was like, okay, you're going to record me. I'm going to go do something special with the umbrella. And I think he thought I was going to open it and twirl around like a cute little American blonde that like he Mary called that I was. Yes, she's like Mary Poppins. <laughs> and my niece was in Mary Poppins. It was so cute. But anyway, um, and then I go to twirl, the twirl, and then all these security guards start blowing the whistles, and I got in trouble. Angela anyway. likes to 
I'm not trying to call attention Keep to myself. On edge. Right, you never know what I'm gonna do. So anyway, so I twirled the baton, and then I got into like dance and like tap and ballet and um, hip hop didn't exist back then. I still can't believe my mother like let me do the things that she did when hip hop was born. Like, thank God. Anyway, that's that's later in the lifeline. I See, took, lifeline. I took dance too, and like, yeah, I took mostly ballet and tap and jazz. Hip hop was very foreign to me. Like when you start, like most little kids, like they start with like tap and ballet. Yeah. When you start with that, it's kind of like jazz. Yeah, it was called jazz. Well, I didn't take jazz until I was in like fifth grade. Oh, I did jazz. But when you get to hip hop, you're just kind of like, oh, I don't have to be structured. Yeah. It's, it's just different. It's different. And there's different types, right? So that wasn't boring yet. We'll say that. This is why this lifeline thing helps you keep focused. So um, then I'm trying to think. So those five years, I was really, um, like, I can't believe the things my parents did for me. Like, I was on this like travel team and we traveled all over the place and I like competed in batons and then that got me into pageants and then I became like this pageant kid and my uncle made every outfit like I mean all my leotards like and they were all one of a kind he made all the way down to the socks and picked my shoes like it was so freaking detailed like the What's shit they name? did Uncle Charles. Uncle Charles. My dad's youngest brother. Shout out. Who had a wedding menu for like 30 something years and he's the one that like, you know, you just grew, grew up in the summers around that. And I would say, that's more like, I would say 10 to 15 in my lifeline, where that I started to understand like what that was. But I was really, those five years I was really, my parents were very focused on keeping the kids like in activities. And now as an adult, it was a strategy to keep us very focused, to teach us discipline, that if you work hard, then you know you get rewarded. It was like an extracurricular activity. It was kind of a luxury back then. And I mean, we weren't, I didn't grow up with a lot of, you know, we were a middle class family. I didn't really even understand what wealth was until I became a wedding planner and yeah. I started traveling, which and my is my parents were similar. Like if there was something that you really wanted, like, yeah. You saved your birthday money or yeah. your Christmas money or your like yeah. we didn't really get an allowance mm -mm. or like we didn't, we didn't get coins for doing chores or anything. So no. like your tooth fairy money or something. And then yep. their mindset, which I appreciate it so much, is that when you're able to purchase something with your own money, you're gonna take care of it and appreciate it so much more. So much more. So much more. So really I would just say up until ten because I, I didn't really start gymnastics until later. Um, and like cheering and things like that thing was like thirteen. So that's like in the next Lifeline, but it's like those five years, we were always doing something. And then I was playing, they had me in like a softball team, not for the school, it was not good. Okay, I did cartwheels and back handsprings in the, out, I played outfield. Yeah, me too, I made necklaces in the outfield out of grass. <laughs> we were not focused on baseball or we're softball. so good at this. Not focused. Um, and then they had me on the church basketball team and I was the shortest one, and like I suck at basketball, right? I'd love to see you do a layup. Oh, that doesn't happen. I do know, I know how to like throw the ball, like there's a square, right? And if you throw the ball the backboard? At, at the backboard, yeah, at that, and, you, and the ball hits <laughs> it, and square. that X, it will go in the basket. And that's about all I know. I never in made a basket corner. the entire, every summer. I'm actually really good at making baskets. Really? But I never played basketball. Like when I was a kid, my dad and I used to play like backyard basketball, and he broke my finger one time. Not on purpose, but he was trying to keep the ball for me. And I took my hand and I slammed it so hard it broke my finger. That had to hurt. My mom was pissed. I bet. <laughs> but he didn't do it on purpose. No. I mean, it was right? my fault. Yeah. He didn't do it on purpose. But 
I was just, and like my brother was in a lot of like, um, actually he was just, uh, one, maybe, no he wasn't even one. My brother was um, just breastfeeding and so was my sister at the time. And so my mother, like the fact that she, my dad traveled and then like, I mean she was a stay at home mom. I'm just like, wow, you did all this for me. And mm -hmm. like, but really. So selfless. It is, and but really my mom always says like, your best investment is not real estate unless you don't have kids um your best investment is your kids yeah and if you, your legacy yeah i mean if you invest in your kids and and teach them and guide them and just it, it, just think about it if you put half the effort it's just like business owners if you put this changed my mindset and got us out of a very different, got us into like a very different place, which is what I personally wanted to do. I didn't want to continue to do 250 events a year. It was too much. I had no life. Like it was too much pressure. It was just, it was so much. And then if somebody got sick or dropped their, I mean, it's just too much. It was insane. And so, you know, you, but you build a life around what you actually want and that changes. It changes every year. And, or, you grow. I would say every five years. Because um, it takes a while to really think about something and then say, I want to do it. I mean, we talked about doing a traveling podcast in 2018 or 19. And then 2020, we were going to travel and stuff. And, and then, look at us now. <laughs> 2022. <laughs> um, All in Mills. This pandemic thing, you know, but it gave us an opportunity to step back do some rebranding stuff, help a lot of companies with their social media, their strategy, their rebranding gave, I mean, a lot of businesses did a lot of facelifts. So like a lot of great opportunities came out of that. That's a different lifeline. I'm going off on a tangent. Okay. So That's it for this week's episode of Business Unveiled. Now that you have all the tools that you need to conquer the world and GSD, get shit done. Would you share this with your friends and fellow business leaders? One thing that would really, really help us and help new listeners is for you to rate the show and leave a comment in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in and listen to Business Unveiled. You can check out the show notes at angelaprofit.com slash podcast and link up with us on social media so you can share your biggest insights and I want to know your aha moments. Until next week, remember, the profitable shifts and structures you're creating in your business help you be more present in your life. So get out there and GSD.